the alternative stories and fake realities podcast. Audio drama, poetry, fiction. You're listening to the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcast. The Hairs of Horsenden Hill by Sarah Colino with Stevie Skinner and Amy Forrest and music by Inga Thompson. She resisted the urge to scroll the history contained in her sleeping phone. Instead, Elin tugged at the dwindling lock of hair from the base of her neck, where a patch of alopecia expanded. Flight mode was switched on since the weekend, and she was even safer in this tunnel, where natural noise was bested by deafening subterranean smog, screeching at forced speed through the carriages. The air was compact and swaddling, carrying with it the cocooning relief that the notifications from the surface could not skewer her down here. The tunnel also protected King's Place and the rest of London's overground from the twisted knot forming in her stomach, which sooner or later would require a notification of its own. Elin did not know the man well, but she knew enough of him to judge she did not want his influence in her child's life. His notification would wait forever. Of her mistreatment, Yilling sent Starling to Horsa, who, hell-bent on avenging his only daughter, challenged to duel Brent of Thames water. Imperceptibly to the other St Pancras commuters, a wash of secret shame shuddered through her. Behind Elin's lids, she was back on his screen a voice only slightly distorted in that familiar timber of connection buffering. From the dark of the room, sneers. So does this one have a voice? You don't usually let talk, mate. Not a London accent. This must be one of his old uni mates. A round of fraternity sniggering. Are you filming me? Are you filming me? This evening's load was heavy. She had more than usual to carry as the tube pulled into Sudbury Town, but at least the hordes which typically pushed past were notably missing. And although Elin enjoyed it once she got there, she was grateful that her Friday boxercise class had been called off due to the pandemic. It was absurd that the self-care cure for burnout should entail high-intensity calorie burning, like a purge. Witches punished, burnt at the stake.
In a chaotic frenzy, Elin's editor at The Beholder had packed the writers off with extra devices, several phones, a work-only laptop for GDPR reasons, welfare questionnaires, hastily promising to see everyone on Monday Zoom. Elin was grateful she would earn her way through this. As the most senior writer on the environment section of her paper, she knew she was one of the few who could work at full capacity without the standard dehumanising commute. She did not want a cigarette. She did not want a Friday drink. She was looking forward to the solitude. To meet and cross at River Brent's ford, there fought the two opposing lords. As if to dissuade her from her intentions for seclusion, Elin's handbag vibrated and alert. Irritation turned to surprise as she remembered she had switched her phone to flight mode. Receiving notifications was impossible. Perplexed, Elin stopped walking, put her backpack down and fished around in her handbag to make sure she would not be disturbed again. Eerily, her device did indeed appear to be as she left it. Even odder still was a rogue text message, which had managed to intrude in spite of her precautions. Without unlocking her phone to unleash the invasive text, Elin could only see the first character of the message, a ghostly, stenciled silhouette of a rabbit or a hare. Curiosity won, and Elin followed the white rabbit down the hole. I know more about hares than you can ever imagine. I can show how that feels. I can answer your questions and help with your labours. RSVP for details. Spam, Elin immediately said out loud. But a deep movement within her had shifted subtly, and it cavilled at her silently, until Elin had to read the proposal again. Who is this? How do they know about my environmental writing or, or about my... Lapers. Elin switched the phone off. In spite of the backpack's weight, she decided not to head straight home. The evenings had recently turned brighter and she had never normally returned from work so early. Instead, Elin walked away from the albatross of labels and debt in her rented apartment and headed along Whitton Avenue East to turn left into Whitler's Woods to mull over the mystifying invitation. Under those ancient oaks... The oppressive containment of the tube whispered up into the rustling cool of afternoon leaves, following its own willow. Her backpack felt lighter, her lungs filled with the ground's earthy musk permeating up through the London clay and Dollis Hill gravel. Swishing canopies of fresh green brushed clear the air. Woodland soon smoothed into the grasslands of Horsenden East, 
where Elin knew the cattle would not yet graze for another five months. Ahead arose the broad, grassy summit of the hill, an island protruding from an absent lake. A sudden queasiness floored her. Either the beginnings of morning sickness or the prospect that the sprawling facade of Brent was awaiting, should she continue to mount it. She did not wish to see the shard's phallic aspect any more than those unsolicited WhatsApp photos buried under recycle icons. Down here, she was shielded from that vista, and here encroached upon her an urge to press her stomach against the dry leaves and become flat. In a shallow dip of the long grass, she put her backpack of robotics down and sat, her back against it. From the parapet in front of her, as if by way of example, she could see other beings burrowing too. The Red Wings sensed evening approaching and began to congregate to the safety of branches. A fresh molehill left a trace of another hunkering down. The Kestrels had recently returned to form their territories disguised in the cavities of trees. To the bearing Wirrup peeps of hidden parakeets, she lost an hour or two until the sky changed hues. Elin noted that by now, whatever time it was, she would usually need an extra layer. But she felt no shiver under the lilac sky and the waning crescent moon's hanging smile. Dusk fell around her in a lavender haze, and an amaranthine vapour settled close to the ground, blanketing her further under her small valley. "'Twas here the crone that mothered the maiden, dug the green bolt hole, Elin's haven." A pair of long black-tipped ears appeared, dancing just above the violet and mauve mists. They emerged from a shadowy existence in the last light fading from day, and Elin was surprised, but unmoved. Responding to this March hair in the same way she noted the unseasonal temperature. It was curious to say the least that such a shy, hyper-vigilant creature would venture so close. This was not the only trait to flag the specimen a rarity. The hazelnut hair stood at least a metre tall, her umber fur stood on end, enraged, and her eyes flashed in a crazed fury. Out of my form! I'm sorry. Your form? My form! My bed! Do you think I have spent my March days out running wolves, wild boar and foxes? have my form stolen from under my muzzle. Stand up and fight. Oh, leave her be. Is your brain so waxing mad that your eyes cannot see she's with Leverett? The voice came from another hair, crouched at the shoulders indicating her advanced age. Her ghost fur was a luminous and immaculate winter snow. See? She has aligned the form with her own plucked fur in preparation. The white hair pulled Elin up halfway out of the form and pushed her head aside to reveal a patch of slow-growing alopecia at the base of her neck. 
which subdued the March Hare marginally. We may have to outrun those beasts, but Estra hides from the huntsmen and hounds. <laughs> There's no fighting her anyway. I'd have boxed her ears before your waning whiskers interfered and no mistake. <laughs> Is that your basket of eggs? As a hare, your defence is stillness and camouflage. Lie low in the form, with ears pressed flat to your back. Be still. Tuck your belly full of leveret to the ground. Better the huntsman catches the fox and he either catch you. Elin shrank lower with the percipient. She knew at once she had been granted a refuge denied to the other two hares. And this was the generosity of generations. She saw that the white hare, beneath her milky down, was scarred with attacks and narrow escapes. Estra, you know not your own place, and have found yourself here without knowing how. If you outpace... A slathering hound without your heart bursting forth from your ribs. Your own kind will attempt to use your entrails for divination. And have you skinned to line their collars? They will fudge your flesh into a jugged hair pie. To feed their own, you may rest here. But know that next comes the harvester to slice up your leveret. Then the men's mowers, turning your precious long grasses to silage, leaving you exposed and vulnerable. Hares are devoured in all ways, our modesty ravished, our leverets orphaned. Today, our equinox, they stop. The men and machines are forced to allow you reprieve. So what will you do? Estra, you hide here, in the tussocks, that's what, and when you see the chance, leap, you have the strength of the maiden which came before you, and the crone that comes after. Unconsciously, Elin's hand moved up to the base of her neck, searching out the small, familiar, expanding patch of alopecia. It was a nervous response she'd had since childhood, ripping out strands of hair to distract herself from anxiety. It had never grown back even in periods of peaceful living. The patch felt enormously bald, and Elin realised it was proportionate to her rocketing distress over the past month. But there was an itch beneath bald skin, which seemed now to be scratching off in flakes under her nails, Underneath it, she detected with the pads of her fingertips soft, downy strands of fluff. Could this be a recovery? It seemed to be sprouting at alarming speed, though, as the rest of her hair fell out in clumps into her hand. The itch was spreading and irrepressible. A scorching burn, forcing the entire covering of her body's skin to convulse with the sensation. Like an overwhelming anaphylaxis. jaw, unhinged, dislocated, realign, 
as her lens of vision was a Constantina, an uncoiling spring uncurling around her head. The shells of her skull diverged and converged like tectonic plates, jutting her muzzle forward and her forehead back. Extending backwards, her earbuds were shooting into black-tipped stems. Sprouting hair intensified a fiery scald at Elin's cheeks and above her mouth, where weighted whiskers emerged to rebalance her disorientation. Elin's previous anxiety processed itself into focus and purpose as she became newly poised, acutely attuned to sights behind her and above her. The new awareness developed into an intuitive urge to lay flat against the ground. A primordial, ancient restlessness stretched out her cracking limbs, and instinctively, without thinking, Elin fell involuntary into a downward dog position. Mechanically, her spine snapped and elongated as if under the manipulation of an experienced chiropractor. Inside, Elin's entrails twisted into knots. Addling the confusion and dread which ought to accompany this scene. Pain replaced terror. The agony distanced her from this spectacle in the same way mothers are removed from their indignities in labour. The pain is the threshold. Without drama, the coming of age ceremony is incomplete. A memory flashed across her. A story about a butterfly retold in school assembly. An onlooker helped the creature out of its cocoon. But because the butterfly had not squeezed itself through the tight tear, life-giving fluid was not wrought through its extremities, rendering it unable to unfold its wings to fly. Elin was a spectator, watching herself being forced through a torturous portal. If she could endure it, she had no choice but to endure it. She was halfway down the birth canal. Fresh blood gushed in to intoxicate new tissues with a soaring, heady agitation. Her marrow expanded and contracted. The sinews and muscles surrounding the lengthened bones, struggling to keep up with the pace like unfurling petals striving to unfold to an unnaturally fast sunrise. Gradually, Elin recognised how rutted and crushed she had been in her preceding form, especially in her hind legs. With each stretch, Elin noticed a conditioning, a straightening, a release... She was now lithe, supple, and loaded with a power ready to vault. Her two new friends rushed to her side and helped Elin up onto her hind legs. To take stock, the three hares embraced, and rather eccentrically for hares, nestled together in the same form that they might fortify each other to daybreak.
Yiling's mother in the forest provided them with female fortress, where her father had not done upon the hill of Horsedon. Elin woke stiff and midge-bitten to the first day of spring and the first day of lockdown. She could not accept that her undertaking was a harmless dream conjured up by some meaningless junk mail. The encounter was raw enough that she was compelled to bear the veracity of her experience and that the deliberate intention of its design was to prompt the offer's acceptance. She was no longer preoccupied with the genuineness of yesterday's cryptic summons Instead, Elin met an overpowering compulsion to seek out the sender. Newly determined, she carried her backpack home to her small North London flat, ready to hunker down and lie low with her belly to the ground until it was her time to leap. It starts with a letter, as stories rarely do these days. I subsequently discover that it was sent to three of us. Me, Catherine, then there's Elin. Sincere, mysterious, a poet, a writer of beautiful words, more in touch with herself than anyone I've ever known. by Sarah Colino. You heard Stevie Skinner as Elin and the narrator. Amy Forrest as the voice of the hares. Chris Gregory as the storyteller. Music was by Inga Thompson, based on the original soundtrack to Hairspell, commissioned by Alternative Stories and copyright Inga Thompson. Sound design and editing were by Chris Gregory. Sound effects were from freesound.org. The original short story, The Hares of Horsenden Hill by Sarah Colino, is published by Mukichik. We would like to take the opportunity to thank everyone at Mukichik for allowing us to use this story and for all the work they do to promote female writers and creators. We'll post a link to their excellent website in our show notes. If you haven't yet listened to Hairspell, our audio drama in which the character of Elin also appears, please check it out on any podcast app. You can hear Stevie Skinner and Amy Forrest in main roles. More music from Inga Thompson and Faye Heald, and a script by Sarah, Faye, Terry Winling, and Sarah Hesketh. Subscribe to Alternative Stories to hear all our content the moment it's released, and to have full access to our back catalog of drama, poetry, and fiction.
we sometimes recommend other podcasts on alternative stories. And in this edition, we'd like to share a new show called The Portal from British musician and composer Martin Green. Described by Martin as a story of obsession, 40 years of nightlife, and 4,000 years of human connection, The Portal is created by Martin, Wills Wilson, and David Gregg and available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and all major podcast apps. Here's an excerpt. That morning, the shouts of men, bleary-eyed and pushing through the hour to present enthusiasm to each other for the task in hand. They rolled a beer keg up the hill. It was 5.30am when they opened it. The beer holds no interest in the nine-year-old me, so I wander away to throw lumps of chalk at the sides of the small Bronze Age quarry enjoying the clouds of explosive dust in the misty air. I threw so much chalk at the wall of that quarry, for a moment I couldn't see anything else but a beautiful white cloud suspended in the mist. That much I feel I can guarantee you. Those are finite, graspable memories. What comes next is hard to know. Like overworked clay, I've revisited these thoughts too many times, and each time they lose a little form. They slip further and further into the dream realm. But as I think it happened, or didn't happen, It goes like this. The dust clears and I can see movement all around me. Faceless figures move in chaotic unison. There's something wonderful about that. We'll provide links to the portal and Martin's music in the show notes for this podcast. Coming up on Alternative Stories and Fake Realities, we'll have a new audio drama called The Ark. The Ark by Madeline F. White. You're listening to the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. I suppose you've got every right to be angry. I left you. A bottle of vodka, a crash, and then it was someone else. You know, sometimes I think I can still feel Dad, especially when I'm writing. I hear rhythms in my head and it's like he's part of them. At the moment, I'm in your phone. I can see your face. You haven't noticed that the camera's on. Stop mucking around, Henry. That isn't funny. Use my knowledge of IT and platforms to create different accounts. But at least you're angry now. Better than that terrible blankness. I still can't protect you from it. Even now. Your quest is accepted. Let's begin. You will follow the herd. The Ark on alternative stories and fake realities. See you later, alligator. <laughs> Crocodile. 
We're also working on three episodes of a sci-fi drama called Black Box by Kevin Mannering, which we'll be sharing with you in November. Also coming up, we'll have a new drama from Emily Inkpin, the author of our recent story, The Bomb, as well as new work from Lindsay Kroll and Tack Erzinger, and much more. Subscribe to listen to all these the moment they're released and follow us on social media for updates and insights into how we make the podcast. The Hair of Horsenden Hill has been an Alternative Stories 2020 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. The presenter in this edition has been me, Kelly Winkler. stories and fake realities podcast audio drama poetry fiction